talk about how Isaiah 58, because it's been 10 years now, this is like the 10-year anniversary of Isaiah 58 at Polaris, and if you don't know what that means, you will in a minute. What if we talk about globally what we've seen happen and locally what we've seen happen? So um, we're going to... We're going to do that. We're going to talk about globally this week and locally next week and, and how Isaiah 58 has kind of shaped us over the past 10 years as a church. So today, global, and we're going to hear a minute in a minute from the Badleys about Love Pure. But let me read to you a section of Isaiah 58, and um, we'll go from there. So can I have that, Mark? The, uh, there we go. Is such the fast that I choose? I'm going to read it and then I'll explain it. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? So God's kind of saying, and Israel's in a bad place as a nation uh, during this encounter with God when God says, do you think that's what I'm looking for? Uh, like a, a ritual, a fast, where you just act all sad and down and kind of grovel before me. Is, is that really what I'm looking for from you? And then he goes on to say, Is it not, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. Keep that in mind, go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. So God's basically saying, you know, you're not in the best of shape right now. And if you think I just want a bunch of groveling, uh, you're wrong. What I really want is for you to shift your lifestyle to care about those in need. And he mentions the, the poor, the homeless, uh, your own family those that are oppressed, those that don't have rights, that's a whole yoke imagery, uh, bringing freedom to people, uh, standing up for people, uh, things like that. You do things like that, and, and your good works, your right thinking will go before you, and all, I got your back, and your healing will come quickly. Uh, that's God's promise in Isaiah 58. Now, um, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest and the, the um, I don't know, the, the public-friendly version of 2009 Polaris Christian Church. Uh, have you ever seen the video of that dumpster that's in the flood that's floating while it's on fire? Like a floating dumpster fire in a flood? Um, that, the caption of that is Polaris Christian Church 2009. Uh, we... we for a lot of reasons, we were a total mess. And, and up to that point, and I'll put myself at the center of this, because I was in, I, I was, I did every, the first 10 years of Polaris, I was there when we started in 1999, I did everything from just kind of run around and irritate people as a 22-year-old, 
to um, then youth ministry, then associate pastor, um, did a lot of the preaching and teaching. But I was in all the leadership meetings and all that, and we were primarily a church about getting people to give to us, whether it be uh, money, time, energy, focus, multiple nights a week, come here. Um, every Sunday, you better be here. We better be pretty much the central focus of your life. And that's sort of how we rolled. Um, we, we, we believed that, that, that that's what God wanted. We also believed that God primarily wanted us to be a church to reach lost people. And then churches that gave outwardly, that was other callings for other churches, not Polaris. We were called primarily to reach people who were far from God. And, and that other thing, that generosity thing, was, was for other people and other callings and other churches. And it was just a blind spot. It wasn't like we were an evil empire. It was just, it was a blind spot for us. Uh, we loved Jesus and, and loved helping people far from him, get to know him. Uh, but there was all kinds of problems in the leadership. And people were leaving like crazy. And I had even gotten to where I didn't really see, and my wife didn't see a future here at Polaris. So we thought the best thing we could do as not to have to choose sides and things like that is just resign. And I would go uh, seek a job back in my home area with my home church, which is a huge mega church, and, and had done some, left and moved and started some part-time work down there in 2009. And, and so this was a mess. Now, um, it ended up that more of the leadership resigned and the elders here at Polaris said, Alex, would, would you and your family come back? Would you um, try to be an interim senior pastor thing here and see if there's anything left to lead? Or lead us in a funeral service that kind of brings an end to uh, a decade of Polaris Christian Church and, and all that. And I said, uh, my wife and I both had felt like God was, was, was leading us back here, felt I mean, the, the actual verbiage was uh, your time at Polaris is not done. I felt like that was something that God had said to be weeks before I even wanted to hear it. Um, and, and so we dealt with that, and then the opportunity came just days later after I felt like I had heard that and thought, all right, I guess let's see what we got. And I remember I was there um, at River Tree in one of the little corners of, of, the, the, of the church. And I was just had some, some time praying, like, kind of, I have no idea what to do. Like, no idea how to speak into this, how to help any of this, whatever. And I felt like God, and I'm not, I'm not the kind of person, like, God didn't tell me to wear this shirt this morning and uh, whatever. Like, I don't think that, like, God doesn't, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, it's not an everyday thing that I feel like God has spoken to me. Uh, I felt like the, the, the leading was go before, like go before, I, and, and I felt like I needed to look through scripture and find places where the term go before was found in scripture, like go before, that's he's leading me toward go before, and there's seven or eight of them in, in the Bible, in the, the translation I was reading, and one of them was Isaiah 58, and your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of God will guard you from behind, and your healing will come quickly. That was like, okay, I'll take that. We need that. 
And then what led up to that was if you look outwardly, if you give, and there, there's this huge faith thing that happens in, in Isaiah 58, because, and, and this is one of those moves that, that we just have to make. Before God calls us to any faith or religion, what he's really calling us to is a lifestyle change. A lifestyle of generosity, outward thinking, care for those in need, and trust that somehow that's the wise thing to do. Because it's counterintuitive to tell a church with no money. And when I say, I mean like, like no money, give away as much as you can give away, and that's how you recover. Like that's not something that anybody in financial pain wants to hear so I went back and I told the elders, listen, here's what I got. <clears throat> I think God's saying, and this is what I felt from God, is you take Isaiah 58, I'll handle the rest. Which, again, is completely just that faith drop. Um, which the only good news there is we were at a place where, and, and the only reason that, that, not the only reason, but the elders were kind of like, hey, can you work for um, uh, just your expenses for a while? And we were at a place where I could, but that also tells you how bad we were financially. But it also tells you, like, we, got, we could do this because we were okay to do it. Because the need wasn't great week to week because I came cheap. And, and so I went back and I said, here's what I think God's saying. And they were like, well, you know what? I, I got no other ideas. Let's, let's go for it. And, and you know, I, I remember, Mark, you were, you were there and um, like Paul Wolf and, and a handful of other guys were there. And they were like, let's just go all in. And we didn't even know what that meant because we didn't have any ability to give anything away because we didn't have anything. So we started to try to brainstorm how can we possibly give anything away. So real quick here, because um, I want you to see how this works. One of the things we knew we could do is encourage our people to sponsor children through Compassion International. Like that didn't require Polaris give anything away because we didn't have any money, but it, it let our people actually do something generous that was close to God's heart and, and global. And so I had a Sunday where we all agreed and went by, uh, talked to the staff and the elders and here was, here was the, the mantra. It's like $40 a month to sponsor a child through compassion, and we want you to do that, even if it means taking money that you were giving to Polaris and doing that instead. Now, it like was a hard swallow to, like, to get those words out of my mouth, because every dime that came into Polaris was, was very important just for us to pay the bills. And 40-some and people signed up to sponsor kids. I remember walking out in the lobby and the line was back up to the, some of you were probably there, some of you may have been sponsored kids that Sunday. But what happened was while 40 kids, which represented whatever dollars, our offerings also went up through that. And it was like God saying, see, as you're faithful to this, your healing will come quickly. And more and more people started to come to Polaris as well. Then... We decided that we were going to try to uh, do something uh, um, uh, bigger. And there was a church that was starting in Ecuador. And we, we thought, you know what, let's, we had some money saved up 
to renovate the lobby space. It was like $8,000. Not a lot of money, but it was a lot for us back then. And our lobby was, was really looking dated and starting to, you know, a little bit of disrepair and just yucky. It was just getting yucky. But we felt like, you know what, we really need to give this toward this church. And so we gave that $8,000 to that church. And the next Sunday, we had $8,000 above and beyond come in in that offering. It was like a triple offering. And we were like, whoa, this is really how this works. We give the things God cares about, and more comes in. So we said, let's give that away and see what happens. And so we gave that away, and I'm like, watching, 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 nothing happened. <laughs> but later that year, we talked with Grace Baptist, because this building was empty, and they said, how about you pay $5,000 a month, it all goes on principal, no interest, no money down, because I thought it was ridiculous to even ask. This was like $1.5 million. And, you know, when you take a check, I, we, we, we didn't have any money, and we certainly couldn't put 10% down and, you know, whatever. But they said, we don't want to lease it. We want to sell it, and we'll just do everything you give us goes on principle. And, they're like, they incredibly generous. So we walked into this building for less than what we were leasing, and I felt like God saying, see, just bring Isaiah 58, and I will handle the rest. Now, um, we've done five South American churches so far that we've helped um, give toward. And, and financially speaking, 10 years later, we're healthier than we've ever been and um, have been able to do a lot to this building to keep it up. Now, this past year, and you guys can come on up, um, Chuck and, and, and Christy, badly, they felt like God was calling them to do something big in Costa Rica, and we'll hear about that. But this past year, you guys brought in, for Christmas Eve, $18,000 to give toward that, our biggest outward gift yet. And so I'm kind of like, how's God going to respond to that? So we'll see what happens through that. But um, I want you to hear what your biggest most generous, most Isaiah 50, 80 thing, uh, 8-ish sounds better, Isaiah 58-ish thing has, uh, has brought about uh, in God's kingdom. So uh, you guys uh, were, were doing a thing anyway. Did you say you had some? What's that? Nope, don't touch it. Just talk. Hello? Yeah. Did you say you had some tissues up here? They were. Oh, she, yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, okay. but <laughs> they're unused. Okay, so you guys um, talk a little bit about the dream of what you guys were doing. And again, you can introduce yourself and your family because some people here don't know you. Okay. And then um, just talk about sort of what you're, you were up to that has led to Love Pure. Okay, so I'm uh, Chuck Badley, and this is uh, my wife Christy. Our daughter Valerie is over there. Um, our boys are off at college, married, having kids, and our other daughter, Grace, is at Wendy's up on 18. So if you guys want to go by Wendy's after uh, and say, go to church, don't work, go to church. Um, <clears throat> do you want to talk a little bit about how we started? Um, so we, we like to call this the afternoon of our lives. And we just kind of were getting into that point where our kids were getting older and becoming more independent. 
and um, we just wanted a different focus for the last half of our lives than we'd had the first half. Um, we went down to on a family vacation to Costa Rica. We had, we felt something churning, but we didn't know what it was yet. Um, went down to Costa Rica and it put it all in a nutshell. After about a year of digging and researching, we found um, our community. We we there was no doubt that this is where we were supposed to be. Um, it's called Los Pinos. It's in San Jose, um, not California, San Jose, Costa Rica. And they call San, they call Costa Rica, is it a first third world or a third first world? That's a third first world. Third first world What's country. That mean? It means that there are the that the gap between the haves and have nots is is literally between a first world and a third world. Okay. So you have people living in third world poverty in a first world country that are surrounded by resources, but they just can't access those resources. Um, so we decided that's where God was calling us. Um, and about a year ago, launched Love Pure, which is our nonprofit, which you guys have um, incredibly supported the last year. Um, and you, you had some things to add. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, so for me, too, there was a, a personal, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people as well. Um, when Christy refers to the, the second half of our life, or we call it the back nine, um, we just felt like everything we had done up into that point was expected of us. So we went to college, got our degrees, had a white-collar job, you know, had, had everything I ever thought I would want, and I was still not fulfilled. And there was just something missing. So it's like I'm chasing the wrong things. There's something missing that's not fulfilling. Um, and that's also when it started directly, when you hit your 50th birthday, I don't know if, I don't, some people have hit it and some haven't, uh, there's a gut check there. And, and I think that that for me was the jumping off point is to stop chasing the worldly things and go figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And it literally came down to, it's time to give back. Um, so I know Alex was one of the individuals that talked me off the cliff and our financial advisor, I know Phil Beck can appreciate this, talked us off the cliff. We're just going to give it all away. So our 401k, everything that we're going to sell the house. Get the kids to college. You guys are on your own. You know, go take care of yourselves. You're, you're always welcome to come help out. Um, but then it was the conversation of use the talents that we've been given. Use the resources that we have. Um, so, you know, kind of echoing what Alex said today, for me, the hardest part was walking away from, from the corporate job, the executive level position, and people just like, you're an idiot. What are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? Um, and that was hard because it was the judgment of just... Why would I do that? Why would you walk away from what you're supposed to be doing to go do, do something else? Um, and so for me personally, even though we love what we're doing here, I still think God is, is, is pulling on me that there's something there, that there are a lot of people that I've met through my professional career that are in the same boat. I see they're not happy. I see they're, you know, they, they get the VP, they get the CEO or whatever it is, and, and they're just, they're, they're hollow. Um, you know, they get the next car, they go on the next vacation, and they just come back looking for more. So... That's not what Love Pure is about, but there's a story there for me that's, that's much different, and it was much harder to jump or step out of the boat, so to speak, um, just because of that pressure of what we are expected to do in our society. So talk a little bit about what you're up to specifically and progress over the past year that you've made um, as you bring this to life. Okay, and I think we're going to have some slides. Feel free to share stories as you okay. go. I think people like to see pictures. So you want to talk a little bit about some of these? I'm sure. So we, we have taken three trips down this year. We're going to take four trips down next year, and we just keep building 
the amount of time that we're there. Um, and first of all, it is so, it is incredibly hard for me to believe that we have been in this a year. It's just this year has been amazing. And, and I owe a lot of that to you guys. We owe a lot of that to you guys. So first of all, thank you. Um, but we had some goals for 2019 and one is just to build relationships in Costa Rica, understand the culture, understand the problem. We didn't want to go down and just Americanize this group um, because that's not what they need. And we learned that, but it took some time. So, oh, can you go back to the previous one? This is us um, and our partners. We have, we have several different groups that we work with down there, but this is the main partner that we have. And this is Ed Plus and some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Um, this was at a Bible study. So we always go down and they invite us into their staff meetings and Bible studies uh, when we're down there. Um, and then the next one, here you can do the next one. So this was an opportunity we had with some of the staff to actually go out. We were taking them to pizza. Um, as you can tell, tell seat belt laws down there are not quite as strict as they are here. Um, we've got one of kids, I don't want you to judge us, but we've got one of kids where we've done the same thing. Um, but it's, it's like really just getting out with, with the staff and they've embraced us, they call us part of the family. Um, we're learning Spanish, so we're back and forth. Like everything here is Spanish. So, you know, we sit and listen to the Bible, you know, club and yeah, this is, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but they've really embraced us, and, and it's that common bond of being and serving the same children and being in that same community that has been, it's just been amazing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, so we, and we are continuing to look for more. So I've, um, you know, again, talking about what Alex talked about, when I walked away from the corporate world, um, I had been developing something, some analytic software, and through philanthropy, met a guy in Costa Rica that has an agency and he wanted to come to the United States. Well, guess what we're doing? We're building analytic software and it's coming to the United States. So it made me feel like a business failure that it's when I stopped and stepped back, God's my CEO now. <laughs> um, things are just falling into place. So in that organization in Costa Rica, uh, one of our, uh, the lady that's the head of our design um, grew up in a very abusive relationship and now she wants to get in and work with teenage girls so every time we talk to someone down there or here it just seems like another person wants to jump in um, and it is about partnerships it's about knowing we can't do this by ourselves and and as you tell the story and you're you're transparent a lot of very passionate people are getting involved so uh so this is again kind of um just some, some really good friends that we've met and we continue to, to do that we also, I don't think Tony Matina or Bill Beebe are here today. Um, both of them have, have gotten involved with Love Pure in the board position. So Tony, if you guys know Tony, he's, he's pretty organized. Uh, the rest of us are not, so he keeps us pretty straight and narrow. And everyone knows Bill Beebe, he's the naysayer, right? Nothing will work, so you have to prove to Bill <laughs> it's gonna work. <laughs> I can say that, he's probably gonna listen to this though. Um, no, but it's super great to have those people. And then, and then we, we're doing a fundraiser, and we've got people who have just come out of the woodwork and are putting in hours to help with that. So. Uh, prayers and just everything is so appreciated. It's not, it's not just us doing it, it's, it's God's work and everybody's getting involved, but the partnerships are, are, are critical for this. Um, so the next couple slides, this is actually in the community. So probably one of the things that, that we found was most important is, is to get to know the people in the community. So there are about 400 and, uh, 450 to 500 children that Education Plus works with in three different areas. We're gonna be much more focused in this one area called Los Pinos. Um, it's, there are about 3,000 families that live in here and we have access right now to maybe 10 or 15% of the, of the kids in that area just because it's so big. 
And um, what we are doing here is we're actually going and getting kids for Bible Club. So it's, it's not the safest area in the world. So we go, we pick up kids, we get an opportunity to listen to the Ed Plus st staff speak in Spanish to the parents. That's where they're really learning about what's going on. Um, there was a, a child that had a broken leg that couldn't get medical help um, just because the, the system is really difficult for them to do that. So we hear those types of things and it allows us to say, you know, we can, we can get a van and get the kid to the doctor and we know some doctors, we have some partners that are doctors now. Uh, so that, just getting in the community and, and, and being engaged with the families is, is kind of where we feel like the calling is taking us. Going deeper with maybe fewer children as opposed to, you know, trying to feed 3,000 kids or something like that is, is where we feel this is taking us. Uh, so the next couple slides are just us engaging. This is actual Bible club. Um, so this is a, uh, a group of the younger kids. You can also see there's some older kids. The older kids will bring the younger kids. There are a lot of girls that are, you know, seventh, eighth grade, and they're, they're carrying their, their sisters around or their brothers around. So they're in these roles of being a parent that, you know, way too early. Um, so you see a lot of that. Um, What's life look like for those kids if, you're, if that didn't exist? If what you're doing and, and that, the Bible club and all that doesn't exist... What's, what's life look like? Yeah, so this is, these areas are, um, they're dangerous. So there are, a lot of these kids are looking for an out. Um, unfortunately, uh, trafficking and, and, and drugs, gangs, some of that activity's there, so that's the easy out. So for us, it's, it's getting in there and spending the time and building that relationship of trust and just trying to keep them distracted, you know, keep them off the streets, keep them out of that, you know, gosh, I could, I could be out of here or I could be making some money. Um, school is, is tough as well, so schools are way overcrowded. There are, a lot of the children we work with are Nicaraguan refugees. They go into the public schools and they go three shifts, so they're running the school in three shifts. So the kids are at school for you know three, four hours, and then they're just on the streets, just okay. walking around in this area doing things. So they don't have and you you see the streets. I mean, this is this is I would call the safe side. This is actually right out of Los Pinos, which these are actual structures. If you um, go back to the, the one where we're picking the, the little boy, his name is Alfredo, which just makes me hungry every time I say his name. But we were picking him up. Um, that's their surroundings. That's what they're, um, Mark, can you go back? No, that's okay. Back one more. This, this is what they live in. This is what they're coming home to every day. Um, and, and to walk through and, and pick up this little guy, that's his front door and his front porch, um, and to pick him up and take him to Bible Club and give him something to eat. Anyway, um, that's their reality. So that's what they're doing after school, sorry. That's what, that's what they're doing. Um, and so when we take them to football club, soccer, they load them up and, and they have to take them out of there because you can see there's no place for these guys to go get fresh air. There's no place to go see greenery. There's no place to um, appreciate what God has made for them because this is what they're surrounded with. So when they're not at Bible club and they're not at football club, um, which some of them are only getting two, three times a week, we, our goal, our plan is to get them there more. We want something that they can come to every single day um, to, to fill their time and to, to make them feel like they are worth something and they're worth more than their surroundings. And what I seem to hear you guys say is that the goal is to like, you know, we can't reach all those, but if we can take a few and holistically empower them, 
you may well pull them out of poverty. To, to break the cycle. Yeah. It's, it's generational. It's, it's They can't get out of it. Um, it's just they're stuck. Yeah. That's Which that's something, I mean, if you ever get some time to study, uh, I know that for the first probably 35 years of my life, um, and many of the people that I just interact with, my family and everything, it's kind of like, why don't they just go whatever? And then you, you start to realize through learning, um, okay, it's, it definitely doesn't work like that, where they just decide to pick themselves up or you know, put the bootstrap thing and, and you know, just work. It's just, it's not, that's just not realistic for them. So, all right, what, what else? Uh, there are a few, so there are a few more slides. It gets happier. There's, there's a, believe it or not, there's actually a lot of happiness here. So we had the opportunity to take these three guys. Um, we met them on a Saturday. Uh, they were actually crying. These are teenage kids. They were crying because they couldn't ride to football club with us. So I said, we'll come in tomorrow. Uh, we'll bring some pastries. And uh, we uh, ran up the mountain and went up to the creek, and they stuck their heads in the water and just had a really good time. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to do more of this, and it's just like, the, especially the boy in the middle, I love him, his name is Kevin, um, it's a real Spanish name, right, Kevin? <laughs> um, but he, he's one of the exceptions, he just now is going into high school, so he's already beaten the odds, and, and we're trying to get in really deep with him, you know, what skills does he have, can we get him a, a chef license to work, because you have to have a license to cook, and even just to get him down that path is already a success story, um, so this is where just spending that one-on-one -on -one time with these kids, um, I think is going to pay off. And I think the next, yep, so this is, uh, if I can segue into this, so this is um, those core programs of, of soccer club, Bible club, uh, we, we do some stuff with sanitation, you know, people that are in really dire situ living situations, you know, can you pour a, a cement floor so they're not living in the, in the dirt floors. Um, there was tragically a fire, so these, there's like 3,000 of these shanties crammed together, and there was a fire a few months ago, um, and we took to Facebook, so our, our partners down there said, you know, we need about $1,000 to rebuild these shanties. So they're going to build, rebuild eight houses for $1,000. That's, that's kind of the, you know, we need some tin, we need some plywood. So we said, well, we'll go, we'll go do that. And here's what I love about Ed. Plus, he said, no, let's just raise like four or 500 because he wants them to work. He wants them to go out and find plywood. He wants them to do some of the stuff. So it's not a handout. But, hey, we're, we're your friends. We're going to help you out here. So literally in 24 hours, we had, I think, $400, $500. We had, we had more than, than we were supposed to raise. Send it to them. And I think that, yep. And then that's, that's the houses that were being built there. Um, and then I think the next one is this is just another partner. I want to let Christy tell this story because she loves this girl. So this is Crystal. And Crystal is special to me for two reasons. We also did um, a thank you to Rise and Shine, if any of your Rise and Shine families are here. We did a special fundraiser through them this year to, for, to provide eyeglasses, because these kids don't have glasses. And um, we raised a, a lot of money. And we went down and set it up. And, and at first, we were going to go into the community with the, the, um, all the eyeglass gear. And we decided maybe it was better and, and cheaper and made more sense just to put the kids on a bus and bring them to the eyeglass place. So we did that. And Crystal's special to me for two reasons. One is she was the first one to, um, that we tested that needed glasses. So she was our first official pair of glasses we gave. So I took her picture. But then we realized, and this girl is in middle school, um, and what hit me was our prescriptions are almost the same. And I've had my glasses since I was, you know, tiny. And I cannot imagine going through my life not being able to see anything because I know what I can see when I take my glasses off. And the look on her face when she put those glasses on and realized, I mean, this was, this was life-changing for her. 
Um, she'd never even had an eye exam. She had no idea that she couldn't see. And so when she put those glasses on, and, and people then were telling us, oh my gosh, this makes sense because at Bible club she can't see what we're doing. And um, so she, she's just, and she was so excited. So again, thank you to any Rise and Shine families that are here that helped with that. Um, and then the next one is a lot of them were actually kind of sad because they didn't qualify for glasses. So Chuck was just entertaining them. Actually, one little girl was crying because she would, couldn't get glasses that day. But um, those are some of the side things that, you know, as we get in the community and we learn what they need, again, those partnerships that we're forming in Costa Rica to help us be able to do um, you know, fill the needs, figure out what it is that they actually need. Well, for time's sake, it flew by. Um, how about what can anyone here do to help? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I know there are a lot of people just, for starters, prayers. I know that sounds very cliched, um, but it works. I, I think that uh, we are, we're literally just stewards of this. This has nothing to do with, with Christy and Chuck. Um, so we're always looking for direction. We're always looking for prayers and, and guidance. Um, if you if you just feel like you want to do something, and, and we've got a, a small group that's going to start up here um, in a month or so, and it's and it's people that want to take that first step to do something, um, but they're kind of paralyzed. And we haven't even mentioned that yet, so sorry. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was writing oh, a note. Good. Good. <laughs> Nothing. Um, and Say that again. Yes. It's, it's, we're just we're gonna we've got a couple people that are that are here today that have reached out to us and we've had some conversations. There's some people that want to do things, but it's like how do you get started? For us, just getting the 501c3 was ridiculous. It took us eight months to do it and paperwork and you know you want to tap out. It's like I'm just you know. Gonna... I can tell you've done your work because you actually said 501c3, C3, and not yeah. what everybody yeah. else says 5013c. So that means yeah. You, you're yeah. <laughs> Um, so that group will be for people that want to make some sort of a jump and just, you know, I'm, I'm paralyzed. Um, but I think Christy's got something to say that I think that I think will will help. Oh, no. OK. So it's just it's take that first step. Um, and that was the hardest thing for us is, you know, it's easy to stand on the ledge and look over and and you put your toe in the water. But it's really once you make that first step, it comes back several fold. Um, and you know, it teaches you patience. And Christy said one time at the risk of getting struck down. Just the way, I'm a statistician, so the way things were happening, things were falling into place and just things were being put in front of us. And she literally said to me one day, God's creepy, right? Is this just like, there's no way that this should yeah. be happening the way yeah. that it's happening. And every time we've kind of made a wrong turn, we've been kind of smacked back and it's been super clear. Um, so that's what I would say, you know, find your thing and everyone has different passions, whether it's helping dogs or, or, or you know, whatever it is. And it, there's no such thing as small. So it, it starts and it snowballs, and it's, if it's a passion and it's God-driven, I'd say just jump out and do it. Okay, so I'll, I'll try to, so I had this, like, big epiphany the other day, and I don't know if I can get through it, but to me, it's, it's um, one of my favorite quotes is that courage is not a, knowing the path, it's taking the first step, and Chuck and I don't know the path, we don't know where this is going to take us, and that's kind of part of the exciting part, but that reminded me of Peter, and when Peter walked on the water, it didn't take courage to walk on the water because he already knew Jesus was there. The, the moment that changed Peter's life is when he's, he's standing in the boat. Sorry. He's got one foot in the boat and one foot hovering, and he's got to make that switch. You've got to shift your weight. And to me, that's the moment that changed our lives. And it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Um, 
because the first step is always small, but that's the point that's going to change your weight, change your life, because when you realize that when you shift your weight and all of a sudden you're standing. Yep. Done. <laughs> so to, um, for the mercy of our children's workers, we're gonna, I could listen to you guys for much longer, but I want to remind you, that's why I wrote this and I'm holding it, Christmas Eve offering will again go to Love Pure this year, so start praying now about whether that's something. Yeah. And just as, I mean, as a family, obviously, we're very, I, I, you know, not to be condescending, proud of you guys and love what you're doing and thrilled to be a part of, and I look forward to a growing partnership for many years to come and, and seeing more and more of those names and faces and, and probably someday myself being over there in the barrio. So, yeah, so. Your support has been amazing. It's, it's been amazing. We can't even put words on it. Thank you. So let me pray. Are you guys okay if we just, okay. Um, let's stand and we'll pray for, uh, why don't you guys stop down front. And if anybody knows the Badleys or just wants to get in on it, uh, lay a, maybe lay a hand on, on their shoulder. Father, we come before you as a people overwhelmed with gratefulness and in awe of what you have done over the past 10 years uh, through Isaiah 58 and your promise, uh, your promise that if we would run toward that, you would take care of the rest. And, it, and it's been overwhelming to see all that you've, not only for us, but also the, the real impact for children uh, globally and that's not a stretch the global impact that how many hundreds or thousands of, of real lives have have been impacted because because this church was was faithful to to your word and uh, and we're grateful for that we want to pray for uh, your blessing your continued blessing that you would call out resources of all kinds people financial ideas uh, as you expand Love Pure and work through Chuck and Christy and their family and um, pray for immeasurable, miraculous productivity and results and, and impact and, and um, pray that your spirit will work powerfully through them in Costa Rica and through us in here as we're obedient uh, with what they're doing. And of course, Father, with, with Penny in the room, uh, we pray for her. We pray for her healing. We pray for her strength and, and complete recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Labor Day. Have a good week.